here to go. Are we rolling? Right, we're rolling. Right, welcome to 20 Schemes Uncut to our one viewer. Probably be two now we know that you're here. Uh, we haven't done this for a while. Uh, I've got Jell with me. We'll, we'll introduce Jell in a bit. We've got some new people behind the cameras. We've got Pete and uh, we've got Andrew. You can't see their faces, but trust me, they're here. They've joined us, so thanks for this, lads. Um, not done. This is the first pandemic uncut we've done. Now, tell me something. You're very nervous, aren't you? I, I can sense just, the nerves. It's just, I knew, get it over and done with, come on. Is it true that people who inject steroids are far less likely to contract COVID? Because that's what I've heard. I don't know, you'll have to So your chances are about zero, aren't they, right now? <laughs> you do more, more steroids so than me. So you're sitting there with your tight top on. It's flipping large. You borrowed that off your youngest son. <laughs> Tell, oh. tell us, tell, tell us, well, tell people who you are first. Right, so I'm Gerald, uh, church planter and soon to be pastor of Hope Church Bingham. Um, married to Mona, got three kids, Noah, James, and Faith, and I've got plenty of nicknames, which I'm sure you'll you'll share. Is it later. true that you sleep on a bed made up entirely of Puritan paperbacks? <laughs> I prop it up with them. Yeah. You like a Puritan, don't you? Mm. Who's your favourite? Um. I think Thomas Brooks would probably be my favourite. Or Yeah, I'm bored, <laughs> I'm bored already. So tell yeah. me a little bit about how long you've been with Bingham, because Bingham was with, um, with Paul, wasn't it, mm. for a while? And then, obviously, um, Paul uh, stepped out uh, for a bit for personal reasons. And then you, I feel like it's been more than a year, or has it been about, about a year? About a year and a half, yeah. And uh, you took over, you, so you took over an already existing team of people? Yeah. Yeah, I took over. Um, I think we had, at the time we had Emily, Brian, Lorne, Tommy. We had quite a big team, Melissa. Yeah, um, a lot of the people, some of those names you mentioned, they were actually in training to go elsewhere. So, yeah, yeah. so for so people know Tommy and Lorne are now in Glasgow. That's right. Revitalising in, in Mary Hill. Mm. Uh, Brian Brian's left there. as well. Jim Cam's gone into secular work. Yeah, and Melissa's looking for. So what was, your, what was the size of the team you took on when you first took it on? It was about seven. Because um, it is hard. Tell people how hard it was. It's hard to come on and... So you're supposed to be planning a church, and then this, this was in a sort of pre-plant phase. Had a, obviously had a big... Uh, well, it was a suicide, wasn't there? Mm. Big tragedy uh, in the middle of it all, and then you have the unenviable... So in all seriousness, just talk us through that, of how you come in and take on somebody else's team, really. How did that feel? How did that work out for you? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because you obviously have your previous expectations you're going to be planting elsewhere. And then, um, you know, Mona and I had to really prayerfully sort of consider it when you ask and just think, OK, we're we ready to go and serve at Bingham because wherever we go, we wanted to bring our coffins. We wanted to die there. That's where we wanted to go, you know. We um, ought to bring our coffins. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> no, but the old missionary boys did it, didn't they? All, and for, so the all for the master. <laughs> it is, all for the master. Um, but now it was difficult. It was almost like <laughs> church revitalization when you're taking on someone else's team where there's maybe different leadership styles. Um, so you're bringing in your own leadership style, you're bringing your own sort of way you do things. And I think the team had to adjust to that at first. Um, and were there tensions? I don't 
I don't think there was any major Well, most of them left, though, obviously. <laughs> yeah, they all did, actually, except for Emily. <laughs> so Emily's the only existing... Um, and she's begged me to put her somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... So I think it was difficult in that sense. So um, you had to get a, a, a period of time to adjust to that before you could think about how is this going to work in this plant in this church, right? Yeah, wanted a wanted a good year of just stability. Of they've gone through a lot. They've gone through, you know, that tragic loss for all of us, and you know, new guy coming in. You know, just I think a year of just embedding my leadership style and the way. And so, I what is your leadership style? <laughs> is it like gangster? No, definitely not. What is it? I don't know. I I'd, I'd like to think that I'm sort of pastoral. That's my sort of leadership style. Get alongside people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Can I just ask a question? Why has he got a water and I haven't? What is that about? There you see leadership style. That there. That's, well, that's the, the or that's the orphan mentality. That is, mate. I'm that, looking at what you've got. Because I, I just brought it in with me, bud. Because <laughs> I've done about fifty of these, and I know I'm going to get thirsty. Would you like? Would you like Andrew to get you some water? Yeah, all right. Then. Would you like, oh, a, you'd like a sandwich or something? A butter no, or something? No, no, no. Sure? Yeah, yeah. Cheers, okay. Andrew, mate. Just peanut M and M's. <laughs> oh, so we've sussed out what your leadership style is. No, if I see an Why opportunity. Why haven't I got any water? If I see an opportunity, I'm getting it. Hey. So, where are you on the? Um, we have a league table, don't we? Of planters' mm -hmm. financial. Yeah. Uh, bringing finance in. Uh, you've been in the relegation zone for some time now, but. Mm. Yeah, it's always a relegation battle, but I always come out on top, you know, the other guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other guys <laughs> slip up, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do at the last minute. So you uh, have how many now in your team? So you had about seven. I felt there was a bit more people than that. When I meant team, I mean your whole the group you inherited, oh, right. not not the team, right? Yeah, yeah. So I guess then it was about 14. We've got 20 adults now, tw uh, 13 kids. So you're launching this Sunday. Yeah. Or Sunday the fourth of October. In case this is being watched at a later date, um, you've got twenty adults, about same amount of children. Yeah. Um, and just tell us about. Obviously, you've come into it. <laughs> all joking aside, now uh, you've come into it into a high pressure situation. Took over from a guy you had a big tragedy. That's pressure on its own. It was his team. He'd been there years, two years, mm. building that team. Mm -hmm. um, getting established in the community. You come in with your wife, you take that on. Um, you didn't even have a house in the community until just recently. Yeah, three weeks uh, ago, yeah. Just trying to find a house there, take the team on. And then the pandemic just shuts everything down. Mm. So just talk us through, because, I mean, I'm, you know, I have my finger on the pulse of planting all around the world, mm. uh, particularly with two of our A29 contacts, and there are very few churches being planted in the middle of the pandemic, which is why I wanted to do this mm. more specifically so just talk us through how you as a group um dealt with um things like outreach and uh how you got on with preparation for planting or maybe you didn't what were some of the the, the <coughs> ministries that you had to shut down what what did you do that surprised you stuff like that just so people can know some ideas why and why yeah i mean the biggest the biggest kicker was having to shut down really fruitful ministries like our our community meal on the evening. We would get like 45 unchurched, unsaved people from the community coming in, get a, get a meal, maybe a gospel message. And so... When was that? Is that on Wednesday? Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday nights. 
and then straight after that we'd have a Bible study where it'd be primarily for the like the pre-plant team, but then mm-hmm. also for the non-believers as well. So to shut those down was a, a killer. Um, but I think I think in all of this it just it keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? I mean, you start thinking of pioneering new things, and you know it's uncharted waters. None of us have gone through this before. So did you pioneer anything new? Yeah, yeah. So what? we we did the the mills, tracks, Bibles, gave all that sort of stuff out. Well, you're um, saying that, like, people know. You gave out the meals. Explain what yeah, you mean so by like that. so, like, people in the community, that would be our new way of building up contacts, finding out, you know, what little old deer needed to get a medicine or something. Or there was and so you provided a service. Yeah, so provided that, but to make sure that the gospel was in it. So they'd have a track, they'd get a Bible shoved into their hand. Um, we would provide opportunities for either phone call or uh, Zoom one-to-one. Uh, how did the meals work? You get, did they get a pack? Did you just... Yeah, so... Was it oven ready? So the whole plant just came around it, just all went out doing deliveries. They'd have their own area. That where did you get the food from? It's, I'm saying these packets. Oh, some of it we would make our own in the early days. Right. We would just package it all up. So it wasn't like the Nidri one then, that we had a relationship with the n- yeah. a number of um, different organisations and they gave us the food in packets but then we were the delivery mechanism yeah so it it morphed into that okay yeah yeah um and so that was good that was a good way of getting contacts that we didn't have before mm-hmm. you know that's why it was a win but yeah it was just difficult it's brutal trying to do ministry in a in a pandemic um did you see any fruit yeah we saw one lady uh who's i believe is saved and she's um, doing a one-to-one with our women's worker, possibly looking to get baptised. Um, so that's a win, you know, my book, even if it's one soul. Well, praise the Lord. Um, I mean, even if it's, it is, it's a big yeah. win. Um, so yeah, a lot, lot of things. So you had a lot of difficulties. So you had all these difficulties, and then you've got the added disability of being English. So how did you overcome that disability? I married a Scottish wife. You did. That's what, that's what keeps me out of trouble up here. Um, but no, I just be myself. And you come from a middle class background. Yeah. Even though you're an orphan. <laughs> you could get teary at this bit. We could edit that in a little bit of tears. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so how have you found the culture? Because some guys struggle with the culture. Yeah. I don't think it's... Yeah, I mean... Maybe early on you you're shocked about how much banter there is, but like I got rug you know rugby mates back down south that I used to play with, and it was just banter all the time, brutal. Um, but it's much more brutal up here with the banter, you know. As you can tell from the start of this flipping uh, <laughs> podcast thing, you know I think you do have to adapt to it, and the culture has to learn. You know, if they're believers, they have to learn a bit about you and how you're wired, but just being charitable to the culture around you, learning it. So what's the biggest thing you've learned culturally in Scotland, in Benham? That... Apart from not speaking, not preaching for four hours, what's the second biggest thing you've learned? I think think that not all insults are insults, that it can be affection. (laughs) That That was sometimes a little bit difficult to to distinguish early on. Well, is everybody in Bingham just insulting you, are they? Pretty much, yeah. But, um, no, and I just think 
I think you kind of expected that it would be massively different and like people are people at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're broken, they need Jesus. And, and uh, do you find people to be more or, or less open than the culture that you've more, come from? Massively more. Like, yeah. You know, they'll tell you if they don't want to hear the gospel, they'll just say straight up, no, I'm not into any of that. Which is, um, it's, I think it, there's a lot of bad things about our culture, obviously, mm. lots of sinful things about our culture. All cultures, yeah. right? But yeah. I think that's one of the best things about our culture is the openness and the honesty. More spiritually yeah. open than you would even imagine, right? Yeah, because yeah. uh, the sort of middle upper class place where I was before, that was really hard. Like, you know, you try going up to a, a guy who's just got everything, you know, he mm-hmm. just does not want to talk to you about Jesus. You know, he's um, thinks he's good by his moral good works and everything. Whereas, whereas here, I think there's a sense of I'm open to chat about it. They're into spiritual stuff. They like seances, the Ouija boards. They're all, you know. So yeah, I found that that a good insight. So what What have you been teaching the 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 group, the team that's gonna launch the church with you on Sunday what 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 have you been teaching them during the pandemic then biblically to prepare them yeah, for yeah. what's to come yeah I mean well we went through <coughs> our statement of faith so you know what we believe as members what we believe as a church and then we went through sort of like our confession of faith what we would teach any uh, issues get thrown up during that any of that I think closed membership was was something that was so explain closed membership for the uninitiated um so issues came about with people that had priorly been baptized as infants and thinking that they could become members and i was saying so you wouldn't have oh we're getting excited now you wouldn't have well you i know you get complaint emails about this sort of stuff so (laughs) (laughs) you wouldn't have a Presbyterian become a member of your church, you wouldn't allow that? No. That's a bit hard. I, I would be it? their brother. I'd be, you know, but... So how does that work? They'd be, <coughs> they could be brother with you, but they couldn't be a member. Yeah. Explain that to people. Because I think that's a bit harsh. Yeah. Because each, um, each local church is run differently, isn't it, in the sense that, you know, globally we're with a church family, you know, the universal church, but individually... Um, you know, we as elders or as an elder, um, we have to lead with the conviction of what we're seeing within Scripture. And I think when you see someone profess faith... Would you take Presbyterian money if they were going to support you financially? Yeah. You're asking an orphan again. I would take whatever money I get given. So you're not bothered about taking their money no. for calling them brother, but they couldn't be a member of your church. And I'm assuming they couldn't take communion either. No. I mean, it, it's just trying to be consistent. I think they would be the same as well. You know, and consistency wise. Well, I find them a, bit, a lot more tolerant than <laughs> Reformed <laughs> Baptists like you. Get the mug. <laughs> so, do some people have, I mean, listen, it's, it's a serious question. Quite a few of our planters have had problems with people who've come along, they wanted to, they've got heart for the scheme, they want to get involved in a team. And then when you sit down and go through the nitty gritty, right, well, this is what this is what a church is. Well, this is what the gospel is first, which I'm mm. just, I know you've done. This is what the church, local church is. This is what our local church mm. Believes and confesses, yeah. and these are the requirements to to become a member of of our local church. A, a lot of people either get offended or 
all leave. Mm. Yeah, so we have one one that w- left over that. Yeah. That's now the individual's with you because you're you're open. So. So Matt, so this, what that means is. Uh, open is more biblical. Uh, open to all sorts, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Well, we have. Uh, uh, I'm on record of saying this so many times. It just does my nutting. So we have in our church constitution, you can become a member if you're a Baptist or a Pedo Baptist. Just let me be clear, is absolutely wrong. And uh, yeah, we won't go there. I lost that <laughs> war. I lost that war a while back. So mm. by dint, even the people that can become members, I've been very clear on, you're only members, not because of me, let me be clear. Mm. If it was my position, it would be the same as yours, but yeah, yeah. because of the constitution of the, uh, 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 the church. But we'll, just, but we'll leave that. So you, you, you've, you've taught them that and you've gone through that. So what are you aiming to, are you kicking off with a particular series for your first? Yeah, well, we, I mean, we're going to do Ephesians, but we've got Romans 5, 8 plastered on the back of the hall. Like drawn on the back there. All right, so, so you're going to open up with that. Yeah. How many Puritans are you going to quote in your sermon? I don't think I've quoted any, actually. How long is your sermon going to be? Probably about 33, 35 minutes. Never. That your opening illustration will be 35 minutes. <laughs> you're a true Puritan. How have you found, by the way, and all joking aside, because we, um, we do like sermon feed forward and things every week at the church where a guy, whoever's doing the preaching, thinks they're sermoning. And we get some critical feedback. Have you found that helpful? Not helpful. It is a hel- yeah. It is a helpful practice. It c- it's daunting when you first do it, right? Because you think, are these guys going to absolutely rip me? Mm. Um, no, I think it's helpful, and I think, if anything, at the very least, it, it should create a sense of humility because your your sermons a very personal thing until mm-hmm. you preach it and you pour your heart into it and everything, and then when you go there with a bunch of lads. And hear that your intro is rubbish. <laughs> you know, that's a real that's a real punch, you know. And I think you you very quickly get over yourself when you try and listen and and, and sift through ha- all of that. Have feedback. you have you adapted? Uh, I remember me reading a biography of um, what's his name? Oh, I always forget his name. The uh, brilliant American theologian, long dead. Don't tell me his name. He went to the Indians. Oh. Jonathan Edwards. Okay. Forget their names. Well, and, um, David Brainard. No, J- Jonathan Edwards and um, his ministry when he during the revivals when he when, when he preached in the church and that and then when he left I think well he was removed wasn't he um, and he went to the Indians how uh, reading the, the latter years of his life his entire approach to preaching completely changed mm. when he just lived among a people who had absolutely no concept of anything to do with the Bible. Yeah. So as uh, I know you've. S- come out of a church where you were preaching and teaching to a specific context has your preaching changed or adapted in any way yeah i think so like in the sense of well it certainly hasn't got better but i mean it, has, it must have yeah. adapted so i think it i think yeah i think it has in terms of just being very conscious of the illustrations you use very conscious of if you quote someone then then change it to modern english you know don't Language is important, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. We, we're aiming for simple but not simplistic. That's what I always say to guys. We're not, we don't want to dumb down the message, do we? So people certainly don't get the dumb down message. But no. no. And, and use, you know, if it's a biblical word like justification or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. you know, Romans 5, you use the word, it's biblical, but explain it. I yeah. think that's because in those settings, even in the middle class settings, 
there's an assumption of these guys know it. Yeah, yeah. And they actually they don't even yeah. in those settings. They no, don't. no, I know. So, and, uh, and seminary and Bible college doesn't really prepare you for for that. I've uh, have you read? Um, I've just finished reading. I've just in the middle of reading um, Packer's book, Eighteen Words. That's what I'm going to do next year. I think in Midri, once a month in an afternoon services, he picks eighteen words out of the Bible mm. and um, explains their meaning and supreme importance to the church. It's worth thinking about. It's called Are eighteen doing words. A, a sermon or an evening? Yeah, yeah. So I'll pick a word like justification or propitiation or mm. atonement, and we'll go. Cool. So you know, we, we have a uh, once once a month in Nidri, so we we'll preach to a. But right now we're going through 1 John. But once a month in our communion services, I'll stop. So this year we've been doing a festival in Leviticus. Mm. So next year I'll just pick 12 of those 18 words and we'll do a word for the communion what? message. Yeah. Just that, just like for that very reason. Yeah, it's yeah. like we use, these words are everywhere. Yeah. And yet sometimes I think even the smart people who, or mature Christians who've been around a long time, sometimes we think they, they know what that means, but they don't know what it mm. means. Mm. So it's really important. Yeah, yeah. So, um, tell me in terms of you've got an assistant. Who's who's on your staff? We've got <coughs> Lewis, the gospel worker. Emily. Uncle Buck. Yeah. <laughs> Emily is a woman. You've seen worker. that film, Uncle Buck. You are too young. That's what's tracked. I'm going to ask you. Look at you. He's barely <laughs> kindergarten start soon for him. Um. And then we got two interns in the maze. All right. And um, what's the plan going forward? I mean, you're going to launch on Sunday, but still restricted. Like you can't, s you got to sing with a mask on, or you taking them. I mean, you going all controversial? You going all J Mac on us, John MacArthur? No, I'm not going J Mac. Do you think um, COVID's a myth? Do you think it's? Do you think COVID is a uh, like a, a worldwide conspiracy to do the church in? I don't know. I do think at the beginning it was sensible to have certain precautions, but now I think it's a bit of a joke. So you don't think you should wear masks at church on Sunday? Like at church, I don't like that term. You don't think you should wear masks on the uh, uh, Sunday gathering when you get together? Well, we're not like this, are we? You know, we're not. You know, when you go into a cafe, you so we do at Nidri, we wear masks. So <coughs> would you say that we are selling yeah, out to the culture? No, no, we would still do that. We would still have masks and sing, but I just think there's so many. But if it's your choice, would you like forget it? Let's just rip the masks off and hug each other on Sunday. No, probably not. I would probably, yeah, I would want the masks off. So what do you think of John MacArthur's statement? That constantly. Please stop sending them to me, all right? I've seen them 25 million times. I'm a non-masker. Yeah. I've had coronavirus, just so you all know. Uh, but I know the majority <coughs> of my church don't feel that way, so I wear a mask mm. because the unity of the body is more important than my personal opinion on a matter, particularly like this. Yeah. But I th it worries me that churches are getting distracted by pro-COVID now and anti-COVID and pro-mask and I'm like dear me what are you mm. dividing over absolute nonsense like the old do you have those issues yeah. in your little group or not no like they are pretty much most of them are 
I would say would be no maskers singing. But you're not going to do that. We are going to sing, yeah. But without a mask. No, with a mask. We'll sing with a mask. It's going to be weird, isn't it? Probably, but we'll gauge it. I mean, it's the first one we're launching. Yeah, well, as elders, we've just first. said that we want to do singing. I can't remember. Can you remember what we even said? I can't remember now. I think but it was with masks. Was it? Yeah. I personally, when yeah. I sit down because I'm away from the congregation, I take my mask off. Mm. I'm like, but I know a lot of people get. Yeah. Some guys preach with a mask. No, I don't do that. We're doing that. Look at this, talking about masks. Important stuff, though. People are asking these questions. And lots of young Christians who've got access to the internet are constantly like, is it is it a conspiracy by Satan to bring down the church? I'm like, mm. I don't think it is. Um, if no. it is, it isn't doing a very good job because we've seen converts. I think pretty much quite a yeah. few of our lads on the schemes have seen people converted through ministries. They've given out thousands of meals and delivered yeah. hundreds and hundreds of um, uh, medical supplies yeah. to people in our communities. In fact, the pandemic has probably been the best evangelistic outreach tour we've had for some time, Absolutely. I would say. Um, Making people start thinking about their souls. and Yeah, without yeah. people coming on li online to do Zoom calls, Zoom, Zoom evangelistic Zoom studies, and who, who there's a waiting list for the, the two services on a Sunday because you can only yeah. have 50, but... The waiting, the waiting list for that to mm. to come in is like, it's mad. Right, anything like so. One, we'll, we'll 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 wrap it up. How long have I been going? Yeah, that was nice one, board. Um, obviously, we're grateful to people who support you financially, support the ministry financially. We're very grateful to that. People who've supported pr even prior to your coming, helping us get. Bingham off the ground. Bingham has been, just so people know, um, Bingham has been 18 months for you, but it's been 10 years for me. Mm. That's when I first went and saw the building and put a cheeky ask in and said to the people at the time, um, there was a few old people left. I think the nearest person to live to the next close to the building was 14 miles away. Wow. And uh, they would come in and have a little service and then drive out and there's nothing happening. And I said, it took me a long time of talks and discussions. And then we finally got it maybe three or four years ago. I think Paul was, Paul, two or three years at it. They've been there five years, somebody was saying this morning. Is it? Yeah, five years. So it's been a long <coughs> time. Yeah. Um, we were just about to launch and then obviously we had a problem. And then obviously now you needed to get time to get settled. So... I'm really looking forward to it. We've had a lot of people who've backed us financially. We're greatly appreciative uh, of that. What are some of the ways that um, you want to encourage people to pray for you, to pray for uh, the ministry and the community of Bingham? I think faithfulness, like, you know, you know your own heart, you know, sort of prone to wonder. And so I think faithfulness to the task, just to see it out. Um, unity. All this mask stuff is a great excuse for the enemy to cause division and yeah. unity, and it's it's the worst pandemic in a church. So, just pray that that young church will remain solid on the gospel because they're mostly young believers. Yeah, and by that I would say under five years old. Yeah, they're very immature spiritually. Yeah, you know, that that part. Yeah. So, so yeah, pray for unity. Pray for mature believers to to want to commit to the work and come. Um, pray for souls to be saved. Yeah, and just be encouraged that the, the world might be in lockdown, but the gospel's not, right? No, that's right. 
The yeah. word goes out, and uh, God will call his people to himself. The sheep hear his voice, and they come. Amen. So let's just keep being faithful to that. Right, brother, appreciate you. Appreciate the work. Um, and everybody, please continue to pray for Bingham. So it's a scheme right next to Nidri, a couple of thousand people. Bingham Magdalene. Yeah, 3,800. Is it 3,800, yeah. 4,000 people? They need the gospel of Jesus. So just pray uh, for this and praise God uh, in the middle of all this madness that uh, we uh, another church is opening its uh, doors and uh, gospel light is coming to another community in Scotland. Mm. Amen. Amen to that.